Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Stock Market Investing with the Armor Report. I'm Brett Rosenthal. Thanks for joining me for the Saturday Weekend Review. Um, the Armor Report stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research. So we begin and end all of our investing decisions, managing risk, capturing upside. Second, we follow a strategy that I like to call the Armor Investing Way. It's a three-stage approach designed to make investing simple to understand and easy to execute. Okay, try to get rid of all the noise around us and just execute. So we build our whiteboard of fundamental ideas we want to own. We never stop refining that, constantly doing research, constantly lifting to the top shelf of that whiteboard stocks we want to own in the portfolio. The second stage is to use algorithms, armor algorithms, they're proprietary, and I share them with you, on how we put on risk from a big um, um, from a big picture standpoint, all the way down to individual stock algorithms to help us put money to work. And then, of course, the third stage is, is um, our most important risk management process, which are stop losses, right? We tie it all together. That's the armor investing way. It's what I share with you. So today we're going to talk about what we saw last week in the stock market, what we think is going to happen next week, and how we're prepared for that. I'm going to share with you stock charts, we're going to go over different symbols to see which stocks we should be watching this week. We're going to use the Armour um, basic process for identifying the type of entry we're looking at. Armour value, Armour hybrid, Armour momentum. Okay, so as we go through stock charts together, and you can fill up the chat board here and let me know what stocks you'd like to address, and we'll go over that you know, in the Q&A. We're going to go at it every time by looking at where we are. Which entry point are we looking at? A value, a hybrid, or a momentum entry point based on armor algorithms. And I think over time, if you learn that process, it'll help you put capital to work more effectively. Now, look, I'm sharing information I use, my own personal account. The armor portfolios that I share with armor insiders are all stocks that I own personally. So I'm not telling you what stocks to buy. I don't know you. Right? So I can't possibly tell you what stocks to buy. I don't know what your risk tolerance is or you know, what your goals are. But what I can do is share with you how I structure a portfolio and the process that we put to work to get rid of all the noise around us and just execute. Okay? And that's what we're going to be doing today. So uh, without further ado, let's take a quick look. This is the Armor website. Okay? So Armor Insiders, Subscribers. Uh, are able to um, drill down into these four sectors of our website, right? The risk monitor hasn't changed. Let's start there. Okay, we're going to talk about it this way so we can kind of just understand what we're doing here. The risk monitor, okay, there it is, risk monitor yellow. Now, what that really means is we have algorithms designed for eight indexes that we follow. These are the big indexes. They drive risk decisions, okay? So we have the S&P, the Dow, the small cap index, the triple Qs, the momentum index, the value index, the IBD50, and the ARC innovator funds. Those two, IBD50 and ARC, kind of go together. They're both innovator uh, ETFs. So we look for confluence across the board in those eight. If we're getting it, then it's risk on and we're putting money to work if the confluence is bullish. Confluence bearish, we go risk off and it turns risk monitor red. Okay? 
So first thing we want to know is what's going on with the big indexes. It's still risk monitor red. I mean, excuse me, um, uh, yellow. And here's why. We're looking at the S&P. Okay, so this is a daily chart of the S&P. We have an uptrend that's been going on since right back here. Okay, so it's just up, up, and away. And we're crawling up the top side of that. And we've had a nice run up. So right in here, we got the confluence call right in here on the S&P, where all the other indexes confirmed the market was going higher, and we got a jump up to here. All right, now there's a lot of volatility this week, and it's changing the complexion of our portfolio a bit. But it's still, without a doubt, risk on in the market. And let's just look at the weakest sector, which is the innovators. How do they look? All right. Well, they dipped down here. And you would have thought maybe we would have been stopped out of this position, but we were not stopped out. Reversed higher the next day, and we still have our innovator position on. The second, and I'll be honest with you, just a, a word to, to all of you. So I have a portfolio. All I do is um, take some of my capital and invest in these eight indexes, right? And um, um, the only human influence is I decide how much to put in what uh, um, index. Um, sometimes I'll skip an index and I'll double up on a different index, okay? So what I'm doing here is I just doubled up on my ARC position by the end of the day Friday, okay? So we saw this shakeout, and it took us out of last week, and I – exited this position in the IBD 50 on the sell-off here. And it reversed and skyrocketed, right? That looks phenomenal. That looks like it's about to skyrocket out of here next week. And what I did was increase my position on the ARC Innovator Funds, which I think is a little bit behind, but probably going to follow. And truth be told, I have some cash left over in that index portfolio. I probably add this back to the portfolio um, on weakness Monday morning. We also got stopped out of the small cap index on the break below the 50, but I'm here to tell you, added that back to the portfolio before the end of the week. So we are fully invested. We own all the indexes. So that's step one of the process. It means the market should go higher. So let's take a look at um, the next in the process. All right, so here we go. Armor Insiders, this is a sneak peek for all you guys who aren't insiders. But I change this all week. We have exclusive videos just for Armor Insiders, the morning meeting and the in-game updates. We have the whiteboard, which shows you what I think is most important uh, to be following. And I'll go over that uh, in a little bit later in the show, what stocks I'm going to be targeting for purchase on Monday morning. Uh, but here's the portfolio, the model portfolios, right? So we have... End of the day alerts. So I like to let everyone know what we're doing at the end of day. Okay. And that's kind of all the way back every day. Okay. Here's the index only portfolio, which we're going to be updating. Right. And then here's the spreadsheet. Click on the spreadsheet. You can see all the stocks that we own color coded. Okay. So we're starting to color code them. You can see greens and blues. And every now and then you'll see an Arma momentum entry that goes into um, the portfolios which will be a red, okay? So to wrap up this thought, what I, we talked about it last week. We talked about it the week before. We were getting long the market aggressively. We were putting money to work. But you're only as good as your whiteboard, right? And so if you're leaning too far towards the innovator stocks, you're still struggling. You're not really seeing performance in the portfolio yet. If you're leaning more towards bigger cap dividend-paying stocks, such as, 
you know, let's just look at a couple names in the portfolio. Um, here are some oops, here are some names in the armor portfolio, right? So we have our green entry point here. We actually bought the stock waste management right here, and the stock just keeps going up. Okay, these are the type of chart patterns. Let's look at um, Teledyne, which I said last week. I told you all last week, and I said it tongue-in-cheek. Obviously, I don't really mean it, okay? But I am, I am, after doing the research on this stock and looking at this pattern, I literally said to you guys as a joke, I could sell everything in my portfolio, put it all into Teledyne, and walk away for the summer. I bet I'd have great alpha by the end of the, the, end of the summer. Um, obviously, I'm not going to do that. But um, there's a, a chart pattern that just continues to walk up, all right, breaking out of a huge base. And this right here, I would label, just so you guys start to get used to, to you know, the type of entry points we're looking at. This is a green entry point. You have a huge pennant formation. So we're going to look for these today. We're going to go over chart patterns and look for these. Big pennant formation, break out of the pennant. We were buying it right in here, right? If it takes out the low of this big up bar that breaks out of the pennant, you're out. So your stop is very tight. Let's just get rid of all the noise and all the hype, you know, and all the things we hear from different financial media and just look at the facts of the case. Are the fundamentals good? It's on the whiteboard, yes. Is it a value entry point? Which means different than what you guys think of as value. This has got nothing to do with fundamentals. It has everything to do with reward versus risk. If the reward could be significant, and that means a huge pennant formation breakout, so you can get a significant move in the stock. And what's the risk? Tight to the 50-day moving average, then it's a value entry. It's worth taking the position. It's an optimal reward to risk. And if you begin thinking that way when you take positions, I believe you'll have a better experience over time in the market. Okay? So Teledyne is an example of that. Um, so bottom line, so you've, you've, you've logged into this video and you want to know what I'm thinking bottom line about the market. Okay? So there you go. Risk monitor's yellow now. It was green two weeks ago, which is when we got aggressively long. Now it's yellow and we're just managing success. Managing success means we've put a bunch of stocks in the portfolio. Some are going to hit their stops, okay, which raises cash in the portfolio. And then we have a choice. Do we put the cash to work or do we hold the cash? If the market continues to look this strong, I put the cash to work. Okay, so come Monday next week, whatever cash I have in the portfolio, I'll be looking to buy weakness in the morning to rebuild the portfolio and keep searching for that alpha. Truth be told, I don't have it right now. I don't have alpha right now. I'm trying positions, and the market was so volatile last week, it took me out of positions, hitting stops, and then reversed and skyrocketed Friday, leaving me with cash in the portfolio. Okay, so... Um, so let's launch into where would I go with that cash and, and what, I, what was the major thing that happened last week that um, caused the volatility and made me really think, and I want you guys to think about this, more of a big picture thought. Um, before I jump into that, my son always tells me to tell you, hit that like button for me. It really helps me out with YouTube, and I appreciate you guys helping me that way, okay? Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Armor Report right down here, uh, both the YouTube channel 
and um, the Armour Report itself, going to the armourreport.com, A-R-M-R-Report.com. All right? So the big picture that's changing for me, the market direction hasn't changed. It's higher. I don't care what the news is or the, or the things that you read. Um, there's, here, I'll give you an example. Um, I think an Armour Insider posted this in our Slack room, right? So we have a live Slack room. Every day, all we do is, you know, spend time chatting with each other in the Slack room about, um, okay, this is, oops, I want to share this with you. See if I can get this into, see if you guys can see this. Okay, so there was a um, market bubbles. Right. If only there were signs. Bank of America writes this bubble, okay, and shows you up here how high we are um, when it comes to Q4, you know, PE, you know, pro forma, all this stuff. So this is what the you know, um, price to earnings. Um, where are we in the scheme of things in price to earnings? And look how ridiculously high it is right here. Okay. All right. What I want to share with you, okay, is that that is a complete um, red herring. Stories like that are just meant to get you off the bus of a bull market, okay? In retrospect, when the market finally sells off, people will point to that chart. Oh, they knew it, okay? Like B of A. That's totally ridiculous. To take a chart and go back to the early 1900s and talk to me about price-to-earnings ratios, ratios and tell me there's any logic to where we are now versus where we were in 1960, to me, is the most ridiculous argument I've ever read. And here's the reason why. Did we have massive QE in 1960? I, I mean, it's completely apples to oranges argument. Now, if you want to make a valuation argument and you say to me, that the liquidity is constant from 1960 to today, then I love that chart and I say, oh my God, we got to get out of everything, okay? But if you're in the midst of a mechanical bull market where the Fed and central banks around the world are manipulating asset prices and they've told you they're not going to stop for the foreseeable future, how can you pinpoint what the right PE should be? People will pay more for earnings because there's so much liquidity around. So let's get back to the conversation we were having. Okay? You're going to find tons of arguments about that as the market keeps going higher. So I don't care about those things. We have a three-stage process here. We build our whiteboard, use algorithms, use stop losses. When the market finally reverses and breaks down, we'll have a bad week like everybody else, but we'll go to cash. Then the market will crater, and our alpha will go like this. And we'll have all the cash in the world to put to work when the thing bottoms. And you all know this, who did this with me last year when the market cratered in February. Okay, so we didn't have to guess when the market was going to crater in February. We were putting money to work. It broke down. We got out. The market imploded. We had huge alpha. We put money to work late March. We had a huge year. So you don't have to spend time worrying about all those news stories and wondering where the top is. That's what the Armour Report's all about. Simple to understand, easy to execute. 
Put your capital to work, use stops. It doesn't mean I always outperform. It doesn't mean I always have alpha because my whiteboard, all of us have a whiteboard, right? If my whiteboard is not situated correctly, I'm going to get that in a minute, it's going to be hard for me to create alpha. I still need the right names to outperform the market, right? But overall, we're going to make money, right? We're, we're putting money to work. Market's going up. We're getting rotated out of some positions that just aren't working right now in this environment. And we have to think about what our whiteboard should look like, what should be at the top shelf of our whiteboard. So let's talk about that right now. The biggest thing that happened last week was this shot across the bow where Joe Biden talked about doubling you know, capital gains tax. And people say, well, we already knew that. He campaigned on that. The market doesn't necessarily care about things when they first hear about it. But there's a moment in time where the market starts to care. Um, and, and that's a shift in philosophy of how money is being run. So what I submit to you is last week, there was this innocuous story about doubling capital gains tax. And the market like literally was a trap door and imploded for like two hours, only to recover and skyrocket by the end of the day Friday. That's, that's okay. It, we're, we're in a mechanical bull market. So we, as long as we held above certain levels, we expected the market not to crater. But when I read that story and saw the market reaction, I did reduce a lot of beta in the portfolio. Some stops are being hit. Others I sold before the stops were hit. Do I regret that today? Sure. Sure. Right. A couple of names I sold like NET and I wish I didn't. Right. There was no reason to sell NET and I really want to own this stock. And I, I think this they're going to be a big winner. Okay. So this was a blue entry point and it never quite took out the low. Right. And it really had a huge week. So NET put it on the list. I'd love to get back in the stock on weakness. Monday morning, okay? But there were other positions I sold that have gone lower, okay? They went lower Friday, even though the market was up huge. I think the reason the market had that hiccup, and it's a little disturbing. I mean, there was like a vacuum. The market was here, and then it imploded on the news in two hours. So it really makes me think about what would the market do if there was ever a real piece of negative news. I mean, that wasn't really negative news and the trap door opened. So why did the market do that? It's not necessarily, I can hear people telling me right now, oh, that was just um, raising taxes on the rich. Wrong, 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 wrong. Okay, I'm not here to talk about trickle-down economics. What I am here to tell you is when the door is opened to start jacking up taxes, it affects everybody. The wealthy, the middle class, those who are struggling to get themselves up off the map. Okay? Politicians will lie to you and pretend that it's just the rich they're taxing. It won't be. Here's an example. Right after that story about capital gains taxes, we had another story that the federal government wants to reduce nicotine in cigarettes because that'll stop people from smoking. Oh, that's brilliant. That's rocket science. I can't believe they figured that out. We could have done that 50 years ago. Right? I mean, how stupid is that? They're not helping anybody out except for a lot of people who are middle class or below that who smoke. 
going to have to spend a lot more money on their smokes. Okay? Government's not going to tell people what to do and have them just go and do it. That's what altruistic thinkers in the government don't understand. It doesn't work like that. It's never worked like that. So there's a tax on people, right, of all stratas who happen to smoke. Now, look, I don't smoke. I don't think you should smoke. But it's not my job to tell somebody else how to handle their life. My point is, and the reason the market shuddered on that capital gains tax news, and by the way, I'm sure they're going to walk that back. It's not going to be a doubling of capital gains tax, probably, right? That's what politicians do. They lie to you. First, they say we're going to increase taxes 100% on something or double taxes or whatever, right? And then they walk it back and they increase taxes 50% on you and they make you feel lucky that you didn't have to pay 100%, right? They think you're that stupid that you don't realize that your taxes have been jacked up dramatically, even though it wasn't a doubling. Um, sorry if I'm getting a little too vitriolic. This thing really annoys me. Anyway, what happened last week and what made me start thinking is, and I think institutional investors are, are moving in this direction, and so that's what we have to do. The government, as it's set up now in the U.S., is geared to create rules and regulations and taxes that will stifle growth. Okay, it's a fact. I don't mean to offend anybody on that side of the aisle. Okay, but when you enact these types of taxes, it stifles growth. Always has, always will. You all might remember the famous comment from President Obama that the GDP will never grow at more than 1%. Again, it'll never happen. Right? Then, of course, Donald Trump showed up, changed a whole bunch of rules and regulations. GDP skyrocketed. Right? So Obama wasn't lying. He was absolutely right. He just forgot the other half of the sentence, which is we'll never get more than 1% GDP growth because we have all of these rules, regulations, and taxes. Right? So if you want to live in that kind of a society, that's who you vote for. You, you expect dramatically stifled growth, but lots of government programs to, to, to hand out to everybody, or you believe in a free market, freer market, right? It's never free, right? But a freer market where you could have economic growth and anybody from any social strata can raise themselves up, right? That's, that's just two different schools of thought. I don't want to debate it right now, but it's clear that if we go into an environment of dramatically increased taxes and regulations, Dynamic growth stocks usually don't do well in an environment like that. And what does well are companies that benefit from the social programs that the government is beginning to enact, let's say infrastructure, right? Companies that are paying big dividends, because what happens for big institutions, you don't want to pay your capital gains tax that's just been doubled. Right? So you trade a lot less. There's less trading that goes on. More money goes into um, lower beta names, paying a dividend, collect your yield, write calls against that yield, increase yield. There's, there's a whole bunch of things people do when they get taxed at an egregious rate. And this is, you know, this is so funny. It's like um, the numbers don't lie. If you, if you tax people at a ridiculous rate, 
let, let's say in the 1970s during the Carter administration, something like 70% taxes on the top bracket, 70%. That's insanity, right? I mean, that's just... But what happens is those, the, the, those people stop working as hard, right? They don't keep producing at that level and keep paying the taxes. They find ways to dramatically reduce what they're doing. And in, our, in, in the case of what we're saying, you, you invest in things that are longer-term holds, that pay dividends. It's not as sexy. It's not as much fun. But the trading goes like this. Can you imagine if the current administration decides to put a tax on transactions, which they keep talking about? In the stock market, you can say good night. Good night to Robinhood. But the tax on transactions is just for the rich. That's not true. Everybody who trades will be taxed. Well, people will stop trading as much. That's just the way it is. It's like such a um, strange uh, um, amount of thinking that when someone says to me, we're going to start taxing every transaction, and they expect transactions the volume of transactions to stay st- the same. If you start taxing transactions, there'll be less transactions. I mean, it's just the way it is. It's just life. People will avoid it. People will do other things. It's not, it's not rocket science. And yet, people who profess to care about science and the numbers don't look at the numbers. Oh, God, I'm, I've gotten off on a tangent. Sorry. Sorry. Let's get to um, what this means for my portfolio next week. Here are the stocks that I'm looking to buy. This is at the top of my list. Hope I haven't offended anybody. Please forgive me if I have. All right. So my favorite names. I love the cybersecurity names, but they're 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 the wrong type of names for this market. I might go into Cloudflare for particular fundamental reasons, and I and I and I just I can't help myself. That FireEye chart looks unbelievable to me. All right, so I'm going to go over charts with you right now. Grab a pen and a piece of paper. Write these down. But remember, I'm not telling you what stocks to buy because I don't know you. So you got to do your own homework. All right? Don't forget to smash that like button for me right now. Let's go head into um, a list of our favorite stock charts for next week. This is what I'm looking to buy next week. Not sure I'm going to buy it, but I'm looking to buy it next week, depending on how the market sets up and what our day trading setups are. Okay, these are my favorite chart patterns right now. No particular order. Okay, I think we have to get shares of IBM in the portfolio, if not already in there. Okay, this is a fat dividend. This is a dividend payer. Right there was the green entry point. This is the blue entry point. We actually owned it in here for the Armour report. I sold it in front of earnings. My theory was we don't need to hold anything in the earnings right now. Even if it's up, it won't be up huge, and we'll have a chance to get back in. So that was correct. It went up 3% on earnings. Not a big deal. Then it blew out the next day. I'm looking for a consolidation pattern. The stock would be the low of the gap up day. That's where I'll put that position on. I think there's a lot of upside in IBM. Okay, here's an old favorite of mine. I've owned this on and off throughout the years, literally since the stock traded as low as $3.50. Okay, this is a massive pattern on Illumina. ILMN is the symbol. Stock broke out of a huge pattern, okay? And they've run into some issues with an acquisition they want to make. We bought the stock right down here in the Armour Report. That was a green entry. Didn't get easier than that, and it was just a skyrocket, okay? This is a blue entry. I call it blue. You can see where the green entry is. It was the bottom of the original formation. Now what we have is a triple bottom right at the 50-day moving average. So I love the first test of the 50, and that's where I'll put capital to work. And the stop can be anywhere, really, 
if you have to go back, I would say the, the low of February, um, excuse me, the low of April 21st. Okay, this three bar reversal that breaks it out, the low of that consolidation is my stop. So the stop is tight, and I think the upside could be significant. Okay. Here's a green entry point, solar stocks. So what I said to you all was, we're looking for, what I really want to look for in the port, to add to the portfolio are stocks that benefit from the current administration's handouts or, or stocks that are dividend payers that have lower beta than um, the innovator type of stocks, okay? So the solar sector, you could buy, you don't have to buy tan. I'm just sharing with you that is a classic green entry point. This is an armor value entry point. Right? If it takes out the low of three days ago, the story is over. I'm not going to hold it. That would be the stop. This is a three-day breakout, well, up three days in a row, right? and it breaks the downtrend. Okay? That looks like a really nice entry point to me on solar, the entire solar ETF. So you can dive in there and find your favorite name. You can do whatever you want. I'm just sharing with you a chart pattern that, that is really attractive to me. Now, we added um, Lululemon last week. Okay, this is a classic armor green entry point or value entry point, and you can see why. So while you look at your list of favorite stocks, what I submit to you is look at these charts I'm showing you. These are the low risk, high reward entry points that you want to try to fill out your portfolio with. Okay, you don't have to buy these names, but look for chart patterns like this. So here's a long-term uptrend of Lululemon, right? breaks into three uptrend lines. And so what we're doing is buying right off the low uptrend line, okay? And we see a tight formation right around the 50-day and the 200-day moving average. Earnings were announced right here. The stock went down on earnings and then immediately went up, took out the high, made a little cup and handle, and we bought this last week, and it's breaking out. Low risk, high reward if this decides to go back to the top of its channel and higher. Okay, here's another um, retail name. Let's look at Yeti real quick. Now, see, Yeti is a red entry point. If you're buying it up here, you see how you're buying it in a red zone, right? If you're buying it here, you're buying a blue zone because you're buying a, a test of the 50-day moving average it's holding. You could buy it down here. I'm not buying Yeti up here. This could be an idea that I day trade, but I wouldn't buy and hold it. There's too much risk to the stock. What's the logical stop on Yeti? It's going to be the 50-day moving average to me. So if you could stomach a sell-off to the 50 and stay with it, that's fine. But that's too much risk for me, so I wouldn't add that to the portfolio. I do have my eye on Best Buy. This looks like a green entry point to me. Here's the earnings announcement gap down and immediately reverses up and makes that familiar cup and handle that we saw in Lululemon. So we break back above 120. That could be a really interesting idea in Best Buy. Okay? Just looking at the chart pattern there. You see it's a big rectangle. Comes out of the top side of that, you've got an interesting story. And it's an interesting story, by the way. They have some interesting things going on inside the company. Let's look at a couple dividend stocks that were adding to the portfolio last week. We already did this last week, but I'm just going to share the charts with you. Here's Merck. Okay? bottoming wedge buying right off of a tight stop. Now, guys, listen to me. This is very important. These aren't guarantees they're going to go up. 
This is a question of reward to risk, right? You, every stock you look at when you're looking to buy it, you have to find the real stop, not the stop that you want to use, but what's the real stop? Be honest with yourself. And if the real stop's too far away, you just can't play. If the stop's too far away, you just can't play. It's an armor investing rule of the road, okay? So here is what I'm looking for. The stop is tight. 75 is the stop. I'm not paying up too much for the stock. It's got a dividend. The whole group is starting to go up. Let's look at another name in the group. Look at Bristol Myers. Breaking out of a tight pennant formation. We already own Bristol. We bought it, okay? How about, um, what, am I, what am I forgetting? Oh, how about Gilead? The stock everyone loves to hate. I don't know if it's going up from here, but I know the reward to risk is a no-brainer with the dividend they're paying. Stock breaks down below this uptrend line, I'll probably step out of it. And if you don't like the fundamental story, then you don't have to buy it, right? You don't have to buy any of these. This is what I'm doing personally. But I'm just identifying stocks where I think a turnaround is happening inside of Gilead. I like the uptrend that's going on here. All the bad news is out of it. They stopped the remdesivir trial. It doesn't work. Everybody knows it. So to me, that's when the reward to risk starts to set up, right? And then here's AbbVie, which we also added. That's a, that's a blue entry, right? So the original green entry, the value entry is down here when it comes back above the 200-day moving average and skyrockets, right? Now it's made a pennant at the 50-day. That's a blue entry, and we own it, and it's breaking out, Okay. Here are some other thoughts that are on my whiteboard for consideration. I don't know if these are going to make it into the portfolio. PayPal, for instance, cup and handle working on it. And you can see why I'm not sure I want to add that to the portfolio. Does that chart look like the type of charts that are making us a lot of money? There's a lot of volatility in those charts right now, but wouldn't I rather own shares of McDonald's? Because that's what's working in this market with very little um, need to trade. See, there's no shakeouts. There's no major collapses. The market was down big for two hours, and McDonald's didn't even blink. Those are the types of stocks that I'd like to fill my portfolio up with. Okay? And they can come from all different areas. I mean... Microsoft's one of our best positions. We bought it right in here. If I was to color this, I would have said this was a blue entry, right? Because we're the original entry is on back here probably is a green, and this is a blue entry breakout, and then it pulled back, and there's another blue entry right here on the 50-day, and it's skyrocketed, right? How about Facebook? You guys are starting to get the picture of the type of charts we want. We bought Facebook right here. That's a green entry if I've ever seen it, right on the double bottom of the 200-day. Those are the charts we're looking for. Now let's get to precious metals, and we'll wrap up, okay? Because it segues right in. This is the stock. Newmont Mining is our favorite, right? We bought it right in here. The stock is now broken out. So we told you a few weeks ago, beginning of March, we're going to start buying these names because it was a reward-to-risk entry point. Everybody hated gold back then. It was a terrible idea. Everyone told me I was ridiculous. That's when I like to buy things, when they set up at a moving average and give me a reversal pattern, right? Franco Nevada. Look what we did. We bought Franco in here on the green entry, and the thing is just skyrocketing. Look, look at it. It barely goes down. 
just keeps walking up. These are our top four precious metals names bought right in the basis. Armor Insiders know this. If you're not an insider and you wish you owned it down there, consider subscribing to the Armor Report, armrreport.com. Okay? And hit that like button for me. I'd appreciate it. Okay? Now, look, that's the entry point. Stock is running. How about here's our fourth favorite position, okay? Wheat and precious metals. Now, silver is yet to take off, so that's held Wheaton back a little bit. But we bought it right in here. What was the risk we were taking? Very small. What's the reward? Precious metals finally come on and catch up to the rest of the commodity complex, which is enormous. That would be a huge move. All right, so we've earned the right to take more risk. SILJ is where I'm going with that risk. This is another green entry point to me. Okay? We've, we own this position here. If it clears these tops next week, which is like 16 and a quarter on SILJ, that's when I would start adding more to the metals positions. So I just wanted to share that with you guys today. This is not a discussion on you know, the finer points of why precious metals should go up a lot. Um, it's just looking at reward to risk. So we're following our plan we, we enacted in early March. We put um, our first uh, portfolio exposure into precious metals early March. We said if we get paid on this, we've earned the right to take more risk. And I'm telling you that if we can see breakout next week in silver, which would take silver stocks to a new high above SILJ, write it down, SILJ, 16 and a quarter, that move takes out those those highs, that will be the trigger that allows me to put more capital to work in silver. We're getting to the end of the month. Precious metals usually get weak at the end of the month. So if they don't, if we see silver break out anyway, then we know we've got this in the crosshairs and we can increase position size. All right. Um, thanks for spending your time with me. Let's go to the q and I'll be happy to answer any questions you've got. Tech Monkey, good morning. How are you? Nice to see you. What do you got for me? Thoughts on MindMed, supposedly listing. Um, I, I, don't, I don't have any thoughts on MindMed right now. I go like this, and I, and I, I go like that because um, I can't wait to own cannabis stocks again. I'm a huge cannabis fan. I think they should go up a lot. Okay. If I can't make money in cannabis stocks, I'm not going after any other kind of psychedelic type of stocks. Um, and so I look at MSOS as just a basic guide. So I said to you all, I need to see it hold the 40 level. Instead, it broke down and made a new low. So we continue to make lower highs and lower lows. That's the very definition of a downtrend. And until that changes, I'm not buying any of these names or anything even related to these names. It's true that canopy growth is down at the 200-day. Kronos is down at the 200-day, below the 200-day, actually, right? Afria coming down looks terrible, or gap down of a pennant, okay? So we, we're, we're trying to get these, these indexes, and this is, this is above the 200-day, but my favorite stock to watch for 
you know, cannabis turnarounds is really canopy growth. We did it last year. We bought canopy down here when the leaps were ridiculously cheap. Okay, and we made a lot of money on those leaps. But look how long it took for, for this thing to work out. We came down and made a bottom and made a bottom and made a bottom. It took forever. And then we finally came. We traded it a couple times in here and made money. Then we captured a big run. So we're out of, the, of, of cannabis and anything related to, to, to cannabis, any type of psychedelic drug. And so what we're looking for now is a bottom to form right at the 200-day, maybe holding this location here. And then I'd love to get long again, and I'll look at those names. But generally, um, generally, Deb, I, I, don't, I don't buy up listings. I don't buy IPOs, truth be told. I mean, IPOs literally are a time when insiders are selling stock. And then six months later, they get to sell more stock because they're locked up, right? So they're locked up. That's what I mean. You do, you do an offering to raise capital for a company. And then six months later, the lockup agreement's over, and insiders sell. So I generally don't buy um, IPOs, you know, for six to nine months, and I don't buy uplistings. Like just because it's uplisted, it, it, you know, there'll be a big spike on that. Maybe you can trade it, you know, something like that. But from an investment standpoint, I'll let it uplist. I'll let it trade. I'll do some homework on it, and then maybe we'll talk about it in future, um, future Saturday meetings, okay? How do I feel about the recent um, – Pullback in Bitcoin. Hmm. That's so interesting that you asked that question. Let's look at uh, a chart first. This is this is ostensibly a you know a Bitcoin chart, right? It's MicroStrategy. They own a bunch of Bitcoin, and the Bitcoin they own is worth more than the entire value of the company. So um, this is a Bitcoin story. That chart looks god awful. I mean, there's no possible way I could put lipstick on that pig. No way. This is a blow-off top that would be classic. You could, you could get any textbook of technical analysis anywhere in the world, and they'd show you this chart as a blow-off top. And then consolidation tries to break out with a massive reversal, inside-out reversal bar. I mean, this is classic type action. So technically, I, I think that the bottom's not here. You know, um, there's Coinbase. Obviously, I'm not buying Coinbase on the, on the uh, IPO. Okay, I know a lot of people were excited for Coinbase, but that literally top-ticked this whole group. Let me say, I've been doing this a long time, and I've seen this over and over and over again. You get a high-profile offering in a group, and it top-ticks the group for a while. It was just too much excitement leading up to it. Stocks bid up leading up to it. The deal gets done, and the deal implodes. Example, Facebook, Google. These stocks came public at the, right, right near the top of the hype of, of, um, uh, of the Internet boom, right? And they came public, and, then the stock, and they came public at ridiculous value. Like, they were public here, I don't know, 40 or something on Google, I can't remember, and the first trade was 86 or something. Don't quote me on that, but it was something like that. Um, and then it just spent six months selling off. I mean, Facebook sent, spent more than six months selling off before Facebook set up a beautiful pattern and then went into this rocket ship higher. So, okay, the reason I find it interesting that you asked me this question is because we spent, you know, at the Armour Report, 
we have a live trading desk where I share my screen and we talk um, um, for the first couple hours of trading. And so, uh, hang on a second, guys. Yeah, I'm working right now, love. What do you want? You need? I almost got a billion points on pinball and I'm a bonus champion. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, I'm coming to play as soon as this is over. Let me tell you something, guys. The, perhaps the greatest investment I made in the midst of the pandemic was to buy a pinball machine for my house. <laughs> it's the greatest. That kid's like a pinball wizard now, and I love playing pinball. We got um, the Star Wars pinball you know, game, which is kind of a collector's item. So it actually holds its value, and you get to get, have tons of fun with it. So, and I wanted to get my kids away from computer screens. So I went old school with pinball machines. Lots of fun. Anyway, I digress. So Friday morning, yesterday morning, we spent a good part of our trading desk in the morning listening to a debate. It was on YouTube. Stansberry Research put the debate on between Michael Sayer, the um, sailor, the um, CEO of MicroStrategy, and I can't remember the gentleman's name. Please forgive me, um, who was on the gold side of the argument. And the two of them were arguing about what's better, gold or Bitcoin. You know, um, I think there's a place in this world for cryptocurrency. Let me first say I missed the entire move up so far. So I'm probably the wrong guy to ask. Okay. I did research on the whole group three years ago, and I walked away saying, I, I just don't, I just don't. It's not that I don't, since I don't get it. I get it. But, and I was right three years ago, okay? I did research three years ago, and then they all just plummeted, and they just did awful for a while. And then we got into this risk-on, ripping phase, and people started buying cryptocurrencies like crazy. I'm trying to con- condense my thoughts into a, 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 as succinctly as possible. There, there will be cryptocurrency in the future. I think it's here to stay. There will be some investments we can make that make us a lot of money. I think Coinbase might be one of them. Okay? I think that's a great idea. I just have to wait for the right setup. Do I think Bitcoin is the only way to go? I really don't. I think that there's so much competition for cryptocurrency. I think that people who believe that Bitcoin's outside the law and that governments will allow Bitcoin to take over the world as a, a, a currency or something is, which is what Michael Saylor thinks. It's just, um, I don't want to uh, offend anybody. I think that's fantasy thinking. Governments will do whatever they need to do to stay in power. Okay. And while they're, they're letting Bitcoin do what it's doing to excite people, whatever. When the time comes that they feel it's enough, they will crush it. And I know people say I'm crazy and I'm stupid and I just don't get it. And, and, you know, I'll get a lot of abuse on Twitter for it. But I just think it's naive to assume that one cryptocurrency will go to $100,000 a Bitcoin and take over the world when it comes to currencies. I mean, the governments just won't let it happen. You know, that's my opinion. So for me, from an investment standpoint, it's less a question of should I buy Bitcoin? It's more a question of, you know, Bitcoin's like 
like the word Kleenex, right? People say Kleenex for tissue, but really Kleenex is a brand that was dominant. And now everyone just says Kleenex when they're thinking about a tissue. So it's like people say Bitcoin, but do you really mean Bitcoin or do you mean cryptocurrency in general? I think there's a definite investment theme in cryptocurrency. I think the, there's a bubble in cryptocurrency. I think it's going to pop and get, and get its head handed to it. And when everybody's puking it out and telling me that the story's over is when I'll be looking to buy it. And what I'll be looking to buy is not Bitcoin, but I'll be looking to buy companies that make the picks and the axes that make cryptocurrency mining or, or, or um, trading or whatever work. So what's at the top of my whiteboard? NVIDIA, you know, AMD. These are the semiconductors, the chips you need to do all the mining. Coinbase, um, Silvergate. Okay, these are the financial institutions that are allowing you to make these transactions. You know, those are the names at the top. I, I mean, probably I'm not going to buy shares of MicroStrategy. You know, um, I, wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't say I wouldn't trade them, but so anyway, that's a long-winded answer to your question. I think that there is a pullback coming. That's great. I think it probably gets worse, but who knows? When we get down to a certain level, um, I'll tell you something else. Like everybody and his brother, I mean, I manage money, right? So I speak with a lot of people, a lot of investors. I've had many investors in the last month. Um, call me to tell me that we have to start buying cryptocurrency. I mean, no offense or anything, but that's typically a top, right? It's typically a top. And nobody wants to buy precious metals. Everyone tells me I'm stupid and they're never going up again. That's when I start buying precious metals. You see what I'm saying? Those are my thoughts. Did you ever buy Big Blue? Um... So I went over that earlier, right? So we're looking to, I'm, I want to add it. You know, this looks great to me. And so I'm going to be definitely owning uh, IBM in here. I'd like to own the net again. And I'm so glad you're enjoying your long in, uh, in KL. Um, it's a laggard. It's a laggard, but it's certainly coming on. Glad I can help there. Let's, um, I, you know what? I was just looking at Goldman Sachs today, Alex. You're all over that. Chart's starting to look good, and I like Abbott, too. Abbott Labs looks good to me. JP Morgan. You know, instead of me giving you a, a fundamental opinion about JP Morgan, look at the chart pattern and tell me if you think that sets up as a, an armor value or an armor uh, hybrid entry point. Is that an entry point that looks like the ones that I've been showing you? Right? This is the... This is the value entry point, and I missed it. That was the time to buy J.P. Morgan. Find me chart patterns that look like that, because that's what we should be buying right now. You know, Goldman Sachs, this was the entry. It's not, it's not even at the, I don't, I don't know what to do with that yet. If anything, I would call that a red entry point. It's a momentum entry point. If you want to chase momentum, that's the entry point. Um, Look at Fastly. It's too, and I'll be honest with you, I've exited my Fastly position and I've rethought it completely. I've rethought it completely. Um, I forced myself to step away from my fundamental belief that it's a great idea and look at the chart pattern. 
And it's just a terrible chart pattern. It's two gap downs from lower highs and a consolidation below all the key moving averages with the 50 going below the 200-day moving average. That, that's typically terrible. So I, I, have to, I have to step aside. I think it's a great idea, but the, the, I'm trying to be honest with myself. That's just a terrible pattern. So I'm out of that for now. Thanks so much for that recommendation there. Thumbs up, everybody. I appreciate it. Yeah, they're snake oil salesmen. Politicians are total snake oil salesmen. That gets me back to the discussion about MicroStrategy and, and, and Michael Saylor. It just, everything comes out of his mouth sounds like a snake oil salesman, so it really makes it hard for me to to, to listen. Uh, I completely agree with your commentary on politics. Oh, good. Good, I'm glad you're all with me on that. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to affect everything, guys. So we need to think about that as we build a portfolio. Basel three, yeah, Basel three is coming, and my thought is the closer we get to it, um, we should continue to get higher prices in metals. That's my thought there, Stephen. You know, Stephen's talking about Basel three at the end of June, and it changes the gold um, situation. I think so. Um, I think you all know that, but you can do your own research. I won't spend too much time on it today. But as we get closer to late June, um, there are forces at play that should put the price of metals higher, okay? Stephen, we have to read and react. We know the fundamental story. We know what should happen. We bought the stocks right. We're making money. If they don't continue to go up, then our theory is wrong, and we have to stop our, you know, our position out, make sure we book a profit in these things. But so far, everything is playing out in our favor. And one thing that would really work for me is to see a month end where the metals actually go up. Usually they go down at the end of every month. They should start going up. And that will be another piece of the puzzle. Let us know we're right. CRISPR chart. Oh, there's a, there's a armor value entry. There's an armor value entry right there. Okay, so if you like the CRISPR story, I'm not going to comment on the fundamentals. But I'm just saying there's your perfect bottom at the 200-day tight chart pattern, right? If, it's, if it takes out the low of that day, you're, you're out. Obviously, you can't hold the position. That'll be over, right? And I would probably add it if it took out the high of Thursday. The high there is 130 and a quarter, right? If it took that out, on a closing basis, you could probably put it on on a day trade, and if it closed higher, you'd be in the position at 130 and a quarter, somewhere around there, 130 maybe in 30 cents, right? So you might put a position on at 130 and 30 cents. I might put this. I'm going to write this down for my day trading room. Okay, we're going to we're going to look to day trade this in the morning because if that thing comes out above the 50-day and takes out that price, you could get a rip higher, and you'll have a perfect. Uh, uh, armor value entry point and an idea that I really like. I think CRISPR is you know, right on the money there. Hey, Brett.
Barry, um, you know, that's your decision, uh, certainly up to you. Um, but let me let me say this. So all you're reading this, he's a small investor, wants to know if he would benefit from the armor report because we talk about stocks that are greater than, than, than $50 a share. Okay, this is very important to understand. First of all, forget about, I mean, forget about being an armor subscriber. If you want to, that's great. You can certainly subscribe right down here. I'd love to have you. I'd love to work with you. Um, It's a complete misnomer that if you're a small investor, you have to buy cheap stocks. It's just completely wrong. You have to think of percentages. You don't think of dollar amounts. If you buy a $100 stock and it goes up $10, that's 10%. You buy a $1,000 stock, Right? Do the math, do the percentages. What I submit to you is that the volatility of each asset will be fairly similar. It's not, look at the volatility of, of, of Google or, or, or Amazon. People make this mistake all the time. They think I only have a little bit of money, I have to buy a cheap stock. You really don't. You don't have to buy a cheap stock. That's, that's first of all. So you might not want to buy a $1,000 stock and buy one share of it. I get it. But I'm just saying, you're looking at percentage moves. You're not looking at dollar moves. You as an investor want to look at percentage moves. How can I get my $5,000 to go up 10%, 20%, 30%? You see what I'm saying? And so just because it's a cheap stock doesn't mean you're going to get the performance you want. Okay? Um, I got into, into a debate early on in my career with um, an intern, and she kept telling me that a $10 stock was safer than a $100 stock. I say, why? She said, because a $10 stock can, go, can only go down $10. Okay. And I, I had to sit her down and say, let's just do the math together. Right? It's not, I know you're all probably chuckling at that. This is a true story. I mean, it was a real debate. I couldn't understand how, how did she not get it? It's like a $10 stock can only go down $10. A $100 stock can go down $100. I mean, obviously you all get that that doesn't make sense. Your $5,000 investment in a $10 stock and your $5,000 investment in a $100 stock goes to zero. You lose all your money. It doesn't make a difference how many dollars, right? So make sure you're thinking about percentages when you're making your investment decisions and not dollars, not prices of dollars, Okay. The, the other thing I would say about the Armour Report in general is that I share with you, Armour Insiders, what I'm doing in my portfolio. You don't have to buy my stocks, right? But what I hope you do, what I hope that I can impart, let's say I start buying a bunch of big cap biotech stocks. It tells you that the Armour algorithms think that biotech is going higher. That's a time to buy biotech stocks. Now, if you want to go down to small cap biotechs and find smaller names that you want to own, that's fine. The Armour algorithm is saying to you, now's the window. The risk reward is right for biotech. With my money, I like to buy quality. I don't buy cheap. I buy quality. The Armour reports about risk management. So I'm always buying what I think is quality. 
But if you're willing to take more risk for a higher rate of return, which I get, the Armour Report is here to say, number one, the big picture, we're buying the market because we have confluence, so it's time to put money to work. Number two, we're buying biotech. And so as an Armour Insider in the Slack room, you'd say to me, well, what about these three biotechs that are small cap? And we'd put them up on the charts. We'd look at the Armour algorithms to see, is there any help here that gives us a risk on entry point? We'd identify the right chart patterns where we have the best value entry point, and then you could go do whatever you want. And so that's what I try to do with the ARM report. And if you think that would be helpful, I'd love to work with you. All right, what are we at? We got to skip through here. We're getting a little bit late. That guy. Good morning. How are you? Crush the like button. I appreciate that, guys. Come on, give it to me. Give me a like. SKLZ. Yeah, see, so it's going to have to set up a pattern, okay? This is why I've started coloring coding these things for you guys, so you guys can start to, to understand what I'm looking for. If it sets up a pattern down here, I'd love to own it, but that's so far, lower lows, lower highs is a downtrend. That's not a pattern I can buy. Okay, UVXY. This thing, I only, I only buy UVXY when it's... Uh, um, it, it, I almost never buy UBXY, okay? It's something I trade maybe one day at a time. Um, but as you can see, it's just a constant downtrend. So the only reason to buy UBXY to me is if you're afraid of tail risk. Tail risk being everything's going swimmingly, everything's going great. Then there's a piece of stupid Biden news and the whole market implodes and you get paid that day. I mean, you really don't ever get paid on UBXY unless you have a pandemic. Even a stupid piece of Biden news is a one-day event. Just look at the chart. You didn't, get, you didn't really get paid. How did it help you from that big two-hour sell-off, right? So ultimately, the only time you really get paid on this thing, oops, okay, is when you have a pandemic back here. Right? And that almost, that almost never happens. So I don't waste money on that. See, if Bitcoin gets back to 20,000, that's when I'll get interested, right? It'll come back to 20,000. The stocks that are, you know, involved get destroyed. And nobody will be telling me how dumb I am that I don't own Bitcoin. You see what I'm saying? And that will be the time I start looking at Bitcoin. That's how I like to invest. How do you think current chart? You know, this is a top of my list, but I can't I can't buy the stock if if I can't if I'm not willing to buy MSOS. There's no way I'm buying current. You know, so I really truly believe in group moves, ladies and gentlemen. The market moves in groups. If the group's getting killed, don't forget. This is about probabilities and statistics. I want to get on the right side of it every single time I make an investment. Seven out of 10 stocks follow the market. So we have to make sure we have algorithms to help us understand market direction. The next piece is I think even higher than, it could be eight or more, 80% or more of stocks follow their group, the group move. Because that's how institutions run money. You've got a billion-dollar fund. You don't go buy one stock. You say, I like uh, Big Cap Pharma, and you go buy Merck, uh, uh, AbbVie, Gilead, 
Bristol Myers, Pfizer, you put money in the whole space. You, you see what I'm saying? And the same thing is true about even something like, like cannabis. When, they're, when institutions are putting money into the whole space, that's the time to go buy current. Money's coming out of the space, I can't buy current. Uh, AT&T, do you think the three-day rule will work well? Um, what do you... Um, I'm not exactly sure what you mean by the three-day rule. You mean in order to, to, to buy it? Glad you brought up AT&T because this is the classic armor value entry point. I've been talking about it for a while. We bought it right here. We've already picked up a dividend. That's what that gap down was. So now we're having our cake and eating it too. Got a fat dividend payment. We bought it right off the bottom when everyone told me, oh, look how stupid that is to buy at AT&T. They're done. Right. Oh, God, they got, you know, direct TV, satellite, whatever, uh, too much debt, blah, blah, blah. Right. OK, just give me your shares. I'll collect the dividend payment. Stock will go up. Thanks. Thanks for playing. You know, I, I think even if the stock comes back down and closes the gap, I'll keep collecting the dividend. You know, here's a stock I added to the portfolio last week. Lumen Tech. This is a blue entry point. Right. The green is down here. This is a cup and handle at the 50-day. It goes back below the low of these bars here. I'm out, so my loss will be tight. But if it can take off from here, I got a nice dividend payment. You're welcome. Oh, I don't even know that one. Midway, 1981, Wizard of War. <laughs> Do you know Whitewater? Have you ever played Whitewater? That was my favorite game. And I could buy Whitewater. I almost did. But I thought my, my kids, they're big Star Wars fans. I thought they'd enjoy that better. Truth be told, lots of fun. It's a really great game. Dog coin. Guys, can't you just, can't you just feel the snake oil running through your hands when you, when you play with these names? Can't you just feel it? When there's carnival barkers telling you about, you know, a new paradigm and you know, the world is going altruistic and, and, and everybody is a kumbaya. We're all going to hold hands and share the wealth. I mean, that just never happens. Okay? <laughs> never. You want to bet on that? The armor report is about probability of statistics, okay? But the probabilities that happens are so minute that I can't invest that way. So um, these feel like bubbles to me. You know, um, there, there is a reason to own crypto. I'm still trying to figure out how I want to do it, and I'm going to do it at, at the bottom of this sell-off. That's my plan. XRP. I don't know. Is that a crypto stock, a cryptocurrency? I don't know what that is. Adams Family, absolutely. <laughs> the Adams Family is a big one. I almost went Adams Family. That's a lot of fun, that game. <laughs> yeah, the place where I bought this pinball machine from, you can swap out. It doesn't cost a lot to swap out. So when we get bored of this, I might do Adams Family next. <laughs> All right. Uh, last question here. i got to wrap it up. Viacom. You know at some point there's a no-brainer trade going to happen in Viacom, right? This was a collapse based on forced selling. But the problem also, Rob, is 
even though it was a forced, forced selling collapse, it has trapped a lot of investors at higher prices. So you do have overhead you've got to get through. And so what we're looking for is support to come in right in this area, right? And I'd like to see some higher lows set up, a double bottom of some kind. I, I really don't think you're going to get this and then a rip all the way back up here. What you'll get is a bottoming pattern that probably lasts three to six months before it's something that really is attractive to me. Love to put it into the Slack room and day trade it. We'll do that. Um, but And by the way, um, I think that you've got to look at discovery at the same time. I mean, both stocks have the same problem. So when the selling's finally over, they should be no-brainers, you know? All right, guys, wrap it up. Uh, Agnico Eagle, I like the idea. Nothing wrong with it. Not my favorite name. I think there's other names that are more attractive. Hey, thanks for that. You rock too, brother. Hello. What's happening? I'm almost wrapped up. I'm going to come play. How's that sound? All right. You guys get dressed. We'll take. We'll go over to the boat. All right, Airbnb. Um, I don't. I don't see a pattern yet. Right. It's just came public. You know. Um, I usually wait. Like I said, six to, to nine months to buy a new issue. And so this is just a lot of volatility and noise. If it sets up a bottom in the next couple of months, I might put the trade on. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been. A pleasure, as always, to chat with you. I appreciate your time here. Consider subscribing. Um, I'd love to work with you on a more in-depth basis. In the meantime, have a great weekend, Armor Insiders. I'll see you bright and early, 8.30, for our morning meeting. Take care, everybody. Have a good weekend. All right, honey bun.